0: The study of theology is the study of the word, or the idea, or the concept, or the logic of God himself.
1: It took me four years to read the Bible. I reckon I understand a great deal of it. It wasn't what I expected in some places.
2: So I'm sad that we're not on the same page eschatologically. I wish Sam Storms and I were on the same page.
3: So you believe in
2: these kind of things? Let's just say I want to believe.
0: Well, I know where he was converted. He was converted on the toilet. Right? I, I, I like that one. We're you would. To, You could say he was saying, "I was in the dumps," whatever. Well, which stall walked. was
3: he in? First John, second John, no, 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 third no, wait a minute.
2: <laughs> Let's let be careful here. He had bowel problems. He struggled with constipation. The argument among certain psychologists: he finally experienced relief, with constipation, and in that moment of relief and deliverance, he suddenly... I wasn't getting that graphic. Yeah. Well, he suddenly, you know, had this breakthrough discovery.
3: And all of his fetid guilt, he released...
0: Welcome back to the program, folks. It's been a little while, maybe, for some of you, but we're glad to be back. Everybody's here in the studio with me. Say hi, studio.
1: everybody. Hey, it's good to be with here with the fellas. Greetings. Oh.
0: Hi, guys. Jim, it's good to have you back. Thanks, you
1: it's were good to be here. Last couple of times, I think I was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you think you were? I, I, I'm pretty sure. You missed all the good stuff. <laughs> you, you missed <laughs> a lot of really
0: good stuff, and we needed you bad.
1: Yeah. Well, really. thank you. I'm glad to bring some balance. Yeah, glad to
2: have you back. He, I think he died and went to heaven. He's got a new book coming out. Hey, two man. months. <laughs> two, make, two months, two months in heaven. No, no, you no, no, you yeah, two That's months. Two months in heaven. You, yeah. That's all you have to do. That's what he's been writing. Well, just write a
0: fake one. You just sin once once. Well, I mean, I 90, on more,
2: 90 minutes in heaven isn't enough. I mean, 90 days? To, yeah, yeah. Gosh. We'll put it down,
0: write, uh, write it real fast, send it to the publisher, and let it go for a couple of days, then recant. In two days, you'll have sold two million copies. Well, that's right.
1: Starting to get some ideas. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's the question. What sells more books,
2: going to heaven or going to hell? Oh,
0: heaven, well, for who's sure. Who's written
3: a book on the hell, on oh, going oh, to hell? Oh, yeah. people. 23 have.
0: minutes in hell. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think going to heaven. They weren't being
3: metaphorical,
1: like you know. I'm not
0: sure about. I, I think so. That's what they're making the movies about. Yeah.
1: I would think that because people enjoy thinking about heaven way more than thinking about hell. I would imagine.
2: Well, we
0: want to see If yeah, that that's really real. But that's, but why do that's people, people go to horror
2: at? movies instead of uh, you know sitcoms and whatever? They they want to see the gruesome.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh well, that's how true. did we get off on that? Uh, it was my I don't fault. Know. Cut, it's my because it, fault. of the cut. book I'm writing. Yeah. yeah. Dump, all, dump all that. Put <laughs> all that out. <laughs>
0: Well, I have an announcement to make. We are doing, or I am doing, a live uh, course, classroom course, with Reason. You have joined in with some guys, uh, Frank Turek and uh, some guys at Reasonable Faith, and we are going to be teaching on the resurrection. It's a course called The Resurrection. And really, it's me and Gary Habermas teaching together, because he's going to come in for three of the six sessions, I'll teach three, he'll teach three, I'll be at all of them. But uh, really, want you guys to come. Uh, It's at reason you dot, now this can be hard, Thinkific, T-H-I-N-K, Thinkific, I-F-I-C dot com, reason you, let me say that again, (laughs) (laughs) dot Thinkific, T-H-I-N-K. A- th IC.com.
1: easy for you to say i don't know if they'll still get it they, I'm, they're
0: probably not going to they're gonna miss a great class you can go there and look and see what levels you can take the class at there are three different levels and it's formal you get a certificate you get a grade mm-hmm. and it's a it's a tough class so don't sign up for it unless you're wanting to go through some good hard core apologetics on the resurrection do
2: you have to believe in the resurrection to take the course no you don't you do
0: not. yeah you do you not have to have to believe, to believe in the resurrection of course you have to say you
3: believe
2: uh, it. No, you just have to
0: answer the questions correctly. Okay. When does it start? It's not an ordination we're giving It's All a right. certificate. All right.
1: When does, does it not? start?
3: Them when you're done. Oh, that's, a,
0: that's a good question. It's the 21st uh, of this month.
3: Of July? Yeah. If you're listening to this after that time, never mind. 21st.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quarter? so you got to hurry. You got to hurry fast. And carrie has got to hurry fast to get this podcast up.
1: Well, and and you know none of us At this table, outside of you, Michael, have any vested interest in this, but for you and for Gary Habermas, people don't know Gary Habermas too. I mean, he's one of the one of the guys on the resurrection that you would most want to hear from. He, you know? he doesn't know anything about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I th- isn't at Lee Strobel when he was writing Case for Christ interviewed Gary Habermas on the portion of the resurrection, yeah. I believe. And so, uh, so definitely a guy that people have been looking to for decades now uh, and is a great guy to listen to. We had him at the Credo House. He did the Credo uh, course, uh, and, course
3: on what?
0: Yeah. The resurrection? Yeah. The, right? the resurrection. Yeah. yeah, this is based on the Credo Finally course, enough. the resurrection. He's just a
1: good dude. I mean, I think like it's the more I think that they're just like Christian musicians sometimes that you have that you love their music, but when you get to know them, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I want you back. You know, no. I'd rather just keep you at a Mine distance. Mine was that
0: way with Reba McIntyre. <laughs> yeah. But man,
1: some <laughs> of these scholars, it, so. <laughs> some, some of these scholars are just very down to earth people, and yeah, Habermas yeah. is one yeah. of them. So. Well,
0: if you can go, thank you, uh, or excuse me. ReasonU.Thinkific.com. Sign up there. Now let's get back to, or let's get to the uh, the podcast of uh, history, church, of the Reformation. Excuse me. And uh, we are guys. We're talking about uh, Zwingli, right? Yes.
2: Zwingli and the Anabaptists. Not, okay, not the best of friends. All right. Well, well they,
0: let's they were talk about early it. on. <laughs> yeah. Can hey. we start with Zwingli? I guess we can. Okay. Somebody get us rolling. Or I will.
2: Zwingli, born, uh, I think, about four or five weeks after Martin Luther, so in the same year. Hmm. Um, he was uh, a Roman Catholic priest in Zurich, so you can easily remember ZZ, Zwingli in Zurich, and that is in Switzerland. And um, he was um, a very interesting figure. He Zwingli struggled with um, sex. Let's just put it out on the table. He... He, he very openly acknowledged the fact that he did not live a celibate life. Um, he um, uh, was um, very honest about it. He did eventually get married to the woman he was living with, but um, Was he, he doing this during his priesthood? Uh, yes, he was, as were most priests.
3: <laughs> yeah, we discussed that, that a few podcasts yeah, ago.
2: Yeah, but um, Zwingli came to embrace um, Luther's view of justification and sola scriptura. Uh, he tried to, to, to distance himself from Luther. He, he said, I, you know, I don't want to be perceived as being dependent upon him, but I do affirm his views of justification by faith and sola scriptura. So he uh, embraced the Reformation. The interesting thing about the Reformation in Zurich is uh, not many people are aware of this, um, but a, many historians think that it was prompted by eating sausages. Hmm. Now, I know that sounds strange. I think you're going to have to unpack that. I'm going to have to unpack just that. Let, just let it ride. Yeah, <laughs> there, uh, it, was, it was Lent in Zurich, and um, a man who was a printer um, had several of his workers, his employees, plus Zwingli in his home, and they were hungry, and they broke Lent, the fast of Lent, by eating sausages. And word got out to the Roman Catholic authorities in the town, and they went ballistic, mm-hmm. needless to say. And, in fact, the printer was thrown in jail. Zwingli never confessed himself to having eaten the sausages during Lent, but it was this that prompted him to write a response saying, look, as Christians, we're free. We are not bound by these kinds of regulations and Mm -hmm. rules. And um, it was that which began to spark the Reformation in Zurich. Was that his thesis that he wrote? He wrote a 67-part thesis, right? On sausages. No,
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. no, no. <laughs> I will not recant the sausages. Yeah. But led, that's what it led him to write it.
2: I, I don't know if that's exactly what led him to write it, but I do know that it prompted his movement away from the Roman Catholic Church, and he eventually mm. left the priesthood and embraced uh, the, the fundamental tenets of the Reformation.
3: And Zurich with him, really, right? Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, Zwingli was, um, he was a, a, an expository preacher. That was one of the things that... Uh, that was his hallmark he preached verse by verse through books of the bible Uh, he was very reformed in his soteriology believed uh, had a high view of god's sovereignty and salvation Uh, he was a pacifist but he served as a military chaplain and in 1531 he was killed on the battlefield
0: yeah Mm. yeah that's that's interesting how do
3: you feel about instruments in church
2: I have no idea. I'm just
3: kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: he didn't like him. He wasn't a fan. Yeah, he didn't like him. He didn't like uh, any icons in the church at all either. Right. You know, he was the one that uh, took those down. You know, there was there's a lot of good things about him. One of the things that I that struck me about him was that he was he had a same. He had the same guilty conscience, but not the exact same type of guilt. His guilt was not based upon himself and what he did necessarily, but upon how many people during the priesthood he had misled Mm -hmm. and were going to the fires of hell. Mm -hmm. And so it really beat at him, and even that was part of his need to further embrace the gospel. So Mm -hmm. it was uh, pretty interesting that, and you know, he was also a guy that, I mean, I went in his t- town of Zurich, the Black Plague hit, mm-hmm. and you know the Black Plague, <laughs> what mm-hmm. it did to people. I mean, it was it was wiping out what three out of four people mm-hmm. everywhere it went. He stayed there.
3: <laughs> he killed one of the Anabaptists later. He
0: stayed there, in your uh, Zurich, and um, uh, ministered to them and got the Black Plague himself, mm-hmm. and he lived through it. <laughs> uh, that's just amazing. The first first person I've ever heard of or read about that got the black plague and lived through it. Cuz I don't know is not what a 98% death rate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: it's pretty high.
0: Yeah.
1: Do you um, know that there this is unrelated, but it is related. Do you know that there was a person, I listened to a lot of hunting podcasts. Um, I've just been become super passionate about hunting and they're in the United States. What in the States. world
2: would you say on a podcast about hunting just about to Shotgun sounds or screaming animals? (laughs) There's a lot of
1: philosophy. There's a a lot of techniques, there's a lot of stuff. Well, but listen to this though. So there was a guy in the United States who uh, they found a dead mountain lion and it was a guy who worked for the wildlife department in the United States found a dead mountain lion and it had a collar on it and they they found out that the collar you know hadn't been moving so it alerted the wildlife the wild and game people that like hey we have a dead mountain lion on our hands here and then um the guy got it and it was the weekend so he didn't he didn't take it to like his lab or anything he just went in his garage and started like like dissecting this mountain lion to try and figure out like what was what killed it and because there's no obvious sign of like I- anything that had killed this mountain lion and so he, but he didn't have all of his tools so he just used like his garage tools to dissect this mountain lion and the the wildlife guy was dead within a day and a half wow. the man was and he got the plague because the plague had killed the mountain I lion there, that's and why he I'm got not the hunter. plague He got the plague from that, yeah. So even in in 2017, Mm -hmm. if you dissect mountain lions, there's a possibility so oh, just like kind of a flea
3: it? that bit a rat that the mountain lion ate or something yeah yeah so
1: is it
0: isolated even though that happened
1: isolated event yeah definitely like there's no it's very very rare that it would cross over but in this case the guy dissected in a way that he came in contact with the fluids wow. of his right. lion. now
2: back to Zwingli yeah, yeah. So
3: it was yeah. Oh, right. there was a Zwingli. connection that's a bummer <laughs> well uh, would it be fair to say back since we're back to Zwingli that that one of the ways that Zwingli really has the biggest influence uh, in the long run over time is ironically because of the Anabaptists in yeah. the sense mm-hmm. that he, it seems to me, was kind of their original recruiter and mentor because he was sort of a, he was kind of, he was a scholar, I mean, yeah. and he sort of attracted these young guys who were also scholars, and but then he converts them all, and they mm-hmm. become, they, they join kind of the evangelistic the, the the kind of uh, what was considered then sort of the new evangelical idea the reformation teachings yeah but of course that leads us to the unfortunate rift um. between him between Zwingli and his proteges this circle of guys these Swiss guys who end up deciding I feel for Zwingli actually in this later in this whole ordeal and I and I and I confess I don't really fully understand it because it's political because you've got the Zurich Council You've got these Swiss guys who want to go further, the more radical reform, Reformation, and Zwingli seems to me like he's kind of a man caught in the middle. Mm. Is that fair to say? Yeah.
2: Well, okay. he was certainly complicit in it. I mean, nobody forced his hand. Uh, so let's 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 back up and give some context for this. Two of his disciples, one by the name of Conrad Grebel, um, baptized George Blaurock. Right. They were adults, and of course. Um, this was um, contrary to the, to the consistent view among all reformers. They were pato baptists they believed in infant baptism. And um, these two men who had been baptized as infants now baptize each other as adults uh, because they, uh, they took Zwingli seriously when, you know, looking at the Word of God verse yeah, by verse. Yeah. And they came to the conclusion, we don't see infant baptism supported anywhere in Scripture. And uh, when this happened, uh, the city council went ballistic, um, and they eventually uh, there were three of them primarily. There was Grable, Blaurock, and Felix Mons, M A N Z. And Man, Felix yeah. Mons was the first Protestant martyr mm-hmm. who died at the hands of other Protestants. Yeah. That's the yep. amazing yep. thing. He, he wasn't killed by Roman Catholics. Yep. They um, they rode him out into the middle of the river Limotte. And in they, the third baptism. They, that is, they called it the third baptism and they tied his hands and feet and pushed him overboard.
3: Wow. Now some people say Grable was almost an incidental martyr because he got the plague, but a lot of historians say he was so weakened because he had been in prison yeah. and he was starving and on the run. But no, I said I've, I said I felt for Zwingli a little bit in that one in, in that episode. But here's where you can't really feel for the guy much and sympathize, even though he's a product of his time i mean i think this is bizarre to most of us now to think later down the road these men who had been kind of brothers together and in largely an agreement in reformation doctrine even though they end up splitting today we would say it's kind of splitting hairs on everything in their disputations i mean the communion and everything but the fact that one of them could kind of sit idly by while the while the magistrates burn or drown another one because i think Blaurock gets burned is it's just astounding to me
0: yeah and you know it doesn't it's not just him it's all the culture of that day where people would do this well the church and the
3: state were linked and so it's like treason to to undermine the church is to undermine the state it's a treasonous act and that's how you justify execution
2: yeah and again it's important for people to understand it wasn't primarily for theological reasons Mm -hmm. that they persecuted and, and martyred anabaptists they viewed the 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 society and the church as overlapping they were one entity Mm -hmm. and you became a member of society and a citizen of the town when you were baptized as an infant and so they viewed this repudiation of infant baptism as socially revolutionary it was it was going to unsettle and disrupt the very fabric of society burning the flag or something yeah it was it was a political stance as much as it was theological
1: and And, I mean we see that in the French Revolution and other places too I think where it's like if the most powerful people in the land are also the church leaders if you overthrow you know it's like they become so synonymous most powerful people in the land church leaders, if those become so synonymous, it's almost like you can't tell, is this an anti-Christian thing? Is this just a, I'm sick of my landlord and I'm wanting freedom here? You know, and I think Luther bounced up against that too with the peasant revolt and all that stuff mm-hmm. where where people are, are mm-hmm. thinking that yeah. they're that they're winning religious freedom and really they're just sick of paying their taxes. Yeah, this, yeah. Is,
2: this is important because, that, you know, you oftentimes hear about the magisterial reformers and people wonder what in the world is what does that mean? Yeah. Well, the Magisterial Reformers were Luther, Zwingli, and Calvin, among mm-hmm. others. And what it refers to is their belief that the magistrate, the civil authorities existed to support the church and to mm-hmm. promote the uh, the gospel. And mm-hmm. so they never, this idea we have today of separation of church and state mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't exist in their way of thinking. Mm-hmm. They very much looked to the civil magistrate. To defend them, to vindicate them, uh, to punish those who oppose them. And so when the Anabaptists basically uh, cut themselves off from any loyalty to the state, they wouldn't take oaths, they wouldn't pledge mm-hmm. allegiance, they wouldn't pay taxes. They were uh, separatist and pacifist. Again, this was looked at as a political and social act of revolt and not so much simply people living out their theological convictions. Mm-hmm. You know, Zwingli
0: was, theologically, I think whenever we start to break it down, we start to find there's a lot of things we differ with Zwingli. We agree with a lot a lot of stuff, but there's some things that we differ with him on. And uh, look at, look at uh, his view of sovereignty. You know, you look that up and you'll start cheering yay for him for a while, but then you will... Um, pause quite a bit whenever you find out that he does believe in the sovereignty to the point of God being the creator of evil. And so he pushed it very far. And he pushed it so far that I myself would look at that and say, I'm not sure that that is not some type of mass departure from at least theology. I wouldn't necessarily call it a heresy and say he's not a Christian. But it's, it's just a big deal for, for me to be able to say, God created evil. Um, and I guess he was a super lapsarian, right?
2: Well, he, he certainly was every bit as uh, Lutheran as Luther was on that point. Because you know, in, in the bondage of the will, Luther uh, was, came out as a determinist. Uh, God was the ultimate cause of everything. Although Luther would never have said that God was the author of sin. So, whether or not Zwingli actually said that, if he did, I, I think obviously he's gone beyond the, the boundaries of scripture on that point. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we ought to talk about the Luther Zwingli split. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and what happened there? Who wants yeah. to jump into that
0: one? I'll start it. And uh, Tim, you could probably jump in a lot, too, because you read the book on Booster, too, mm-hmm. right? Well, uh, Marburg, it's It's, dispute. it's Bootser, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. Not B O
2: O T S E R.
3: After the hot B C E R.
0: Bootser. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, you can, you've got to do it where you can barely hear the T. Bootser. Uh,
1: Bootser. Bootser.
0: First name, Martin. Martin Bootser. <laughs> yeah, Marty. Well, I mean, this is the dispute that came about. And the reason why it came about was primarily because this guy, um, uh, Bootser, <laughs> mm-hmm. he is, he's one of, my, one of my favorite theologians. As a matter of fact, I could say he is my favorite early theologian because he did represent, every time I read him, he represented what I believe to be the center of Christianity. And he fought for liberty among the non-essentials, mm-hmm. things that weren't in the center. And this is what he was trying to do with... Uh, with Luther and Zwingli, he wasn't trying to get them to do agree. He was just trying to get them to see that this was a secondary matter. He was and, trying
1: to get them to say, like, if we can agree on Jesus, on salvation by, yeah, by yeah. faith in Jesus, you know, and the solas of the Reformation, basically, if I could get you to, if we could agree with the solas, why would we be? Separated. Yeah. Like, why can't we work together? And his whole
0: life was dedicated. I mean, it's a pretty sad story. His life. I mean, it's a great story now because people know him and know him more than they would have known him if uh, he would not have done this. Obviously, so you got him living his life, trying to get this done, and ultimately he doesn't get it done, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so this is uh, this is something that uh, we need to discuss. Is the uh, fourteen points? Of the fifteen points that they agreed upon,
1: so Bootser, Zwingli, and Calvin, or and uh, Luther, are sitting down at a table together, trying to agree. On these points of doctrine, to say, can we be united? Yeah, to unite the
2: Swiss and the German mm-hmm. branches yes. of the Reformation. Yeah. yeah, and this is
1: all happening in one conversation. Yeah, and
2: there were more people
0: there than just that, but yeah. Bootser was a big part of getting them to the table. It's called the Marburg Colloquy. Mm-hmm, the yeah. Colloquy. They the uh, the crazy thing though is is that they did, they agreed on fourteen points. I mean. There were 15 points discussed, only 15. They go through the first 14, and it's, it's yay, you believe in the resurrection. You believe in the authority of Scripture. Uh, I cannot list them all, but there's all these essentials, and then mm. they come down to the Lord's table. And Luther took the side of what's called consubstantiation. And this simply means that Luther believed that the elements taken in the Lord's table were... were um, in with and under that's how they would describe it in with and under and you can kind of describe it like a sponge a sponge goes into water it sucks it soaks up the water so it's in with and under the water contrary to the catholic position which is the the, Trans. the transubstantiation where the with the elements ought turn into the body and blood of christ here we've got the elements surrounding surrounded by the body and blood of Christ.
2: By the way, can I throw in a rather interesting, uh, more contemporary uh, twist in this? Sure. Just read today that the Roman Catholic Church is prohibiting the use of gluten-free bread in the communion service. Interesting. And the reason is because of transubstantiation. They believe that the bread has to be as close Uh, Closely identical to that which was utilized by Jesus because this is being changed into his very flesh. Mm -hmm. And so um, they are allowing just a minimal amount of uh, bread that is gluten-free. But basically, the the gluten-free bread, for example, that we make available at our church would be absolutely (laughs) forbidden in... uh, uh, churches that are following the, the dictates of Pope Francis. That's
1: really Does fascinating. the absence of gluten prohibit the elements from turning into a... Evidently I so. I well, don't,
0: what do they say about all the people that didn't have it before? Yeah, I, They're just
2: covered.
3: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've
2: got all sorts of things I want to say. Like, did Jesus have celiac? Yes, no no our disease or I mean, supernatural thing, and
3: it's a miracle. You're but I mean, I <laughs> thought you would have
0: chastised
3: me for that. yeah, there are miracles, and then there are miracles. I mean, <laughs> but that that, I'm crazy? sorry for that little aside, no, 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 right, but it right. is
2: interesting. It does, no, it you is, know, it is shows you how
3: relevant this stuff is right now. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. That that Roman Catholic churches cannot use gluten free bread in in the Lord's table. Well,
3: are we correct in in saying though that the three men, as much as that this this point became a different a difference for them did they all not though agree that the Roman Catholic understanding of a sacrifice that they did not, they did not agree to that yeah they, they no no, no they, they
2: rejected transubstantiation all of them did right and, and the sacrificial element the fact yeah. that,
3: the idea that the that the
2: that the mass was propitiatory right
3: exactly. they agreed
2: on four or five points
0: about the lord's supper yeah. just not the one about transubstantiation incidentally you know that a
3: lot of american evangelicals also believe in transubstantiation they believe that the wine magically becomes grape juice
1: or the great
3: views <laughs> <youth, the great
0: laughs> magically different from one. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. Um, so the, you had that, and then you had Zwingli, who believed in the m- memorial view. And that's right. the view that most of us hold to. That's mm-hmm. the view that... Uh, that I don't. Uh, no, you don't? No. You yeah. hold to the... Calvin view, right? Yes. I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to talk
3: about. Let's that. Let's take right him now. up the river and bind his hands. You're not, see not a...
0: you're not getting a seat at
2: the marble the, table There's right now. the real presence view, and then there's Wingley's view, which is the real absence view. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know,
0: How I...
2: am I going to take communion at Bridgeway now? I'm kidding. You don't have to agree well, yeah, with my I, view I, in I, order I, I I I to partake. I don't Just have a problem with your station, view
0: either. But let me let me let me say this. Let me say this. This is really important because. In the dispute, the ultimate thing came down to the uh, uh, the presence of Christ being able to be everywhere, uh, the, his body, and uh, Luther believed that Christ's body could be a, a more th- uh, more than one place at a time. He called it the ubiquity, of, yeah. of, of yep. the flesh yeah. of ubiquity. Jesus. And uh, bootser thought that that violated uh, Scripture, and it violated Chalcedon, because mm. and physics. In Chalcedon, we have. <laughs> in
3: physics. And in physics.
0: <laughs> in Chalcedon, we have uh, Christ's body and blood, be, our body and uh, spirit being separated, or his deity and his humanity being separated. And uh, they have to remain separated for all time. His human body cannot be deified by his deity, they can't be uh, insurged with it. It cannot be um, used for borrowing purposes or anything like what that. What they call
2: the communication of attributes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luther believed that the uh, attributes of deity like omnipresence and, and every other attribute could be predicated of the human nature, yeah. and therefore the human nature could be omnipresent yeah. and and therefore present in the elements of the Lord's table. Yeah, what do you think of that? I don't think he's right. I think he was wrong. Do but you think of Alex like, calcidon? Uh, I don't know about that, I, but the simple fact is, it seems to me Scripture is pretty clear that the person of Christ, the incarnate Christ, is a singular human being, a God man, but he is in a body now, glorified, resurrected body. But I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it indicates that he is ubiquitous or omnipresent. Now, the second person, the Godhead, is certainly ubiquitous and omnipresent. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the incarnate Christ is embodied and in a spatially locatable place yeah. in space. He like, occupies a place in space.
1: When you didn't in, say in space, you don't mean outer space, no. And people just uh, people might not be tracking with the uh, kind of the severity of the conversation, but the reality that that when Jesus said, "This is my body," mm. you know, like you're you're eating my flesh, right? So if what our conversation is is if you are truly eating the body of Jesus then Jesus's body on a Sunday would be in Dubai with the Christians that are eating his that's body right. there in China in the United States in in London his body would be being consumed in places all over the world worldwide where, cannibalism. but then it's like is is he truly a man then like is Jesus so that's why you mentioned Chalcedon mm-hmm. like is Jesus truly God, and is he truly a man? And if he's a truly a man, then huge pro- pro- properties of being a man is you can't be in all those places at the exact same moment, right? And the and problem so, is there's no other human that has a kind of body that can do that, so we lose our representation. Yeah, and so so I think that's why, though, it's so serious of a conversation for Calvin mm-hmm. and Zwingli and Bootser, or for Luther and Zwingli and Bootser and others, is that like we're talking about one of the very few things that Jesus asks his church to do on a consistent basis. And the bottom
2: line to wrap this up is that their failure to concur and agree on this issue prevented the two branches of the Reformation from uniting, which some scholars believe had it occurred, it would have crippled uh, the presence and influence of Roman Catholicism in Europe, but it never happened.
0: Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Theology Unplugged, let me tell you about some of the other resources we have available. Visit us online at credohouse.org and browse over 2,000 articles on everything from the Crusades to gay marriage. Sign up for email updates and get the latest news, event announcements, and special deals before anyone else. Connect with us on social media. Just search Credo House on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always email us at theologyunplugged at credohouse.org. We want you to be part of the Credo community. Please partner with us in making theology accessible and pushing back the intellectual attack on Christianity. Thank you.